Hey, what's happening, San Diego? And welcome in to Gwen and Chris kicking off another week here on San Diego's number one sports talk station, 97.3. The Fan Super Bowl wrap-up here beginning. And uh, I got one thing to kick this off with, and that is the fact that there have now been 58 Super Bowls played seven times in the history of this sport. A team has come from 10 points down in a Super Bowl to win. The first to do it was Doug Williams and the Washington Redskins when they were here against the Denver Broncos many years ago. Uh, Drew Brees did it against the Indianapolis Colts. Tom Brady did it twice. Patrick Mahomes has done it in all three of his Super Bowl wins. This guy, is uh, he's pretty good. And I think that because of that, we know the answer, finally, Tony Gwynn Jr., to the age-old question that Scraby has been asking. I asked you to have it ready. Yes, yes, but I, <laughs> I, I'm also trying to get the cameras going. Oh, you're also getting the cameras going. Of course they are going. just messed up. Hold on. Okay, Chris, set that up again. It's the age-old question <laughs> that Scraby has been asking. How did this happen? Yeah, yeah, that's how it happened. Patrick Mahomes. Hi, Tony. How are you today? I'm well, Christopher. How about yourself? I'm actually doing fantastic. Today. Yeah, yeah. It's, You're good. Uh, I'm really good. Chiefs it, won. Great football game. I feel like I'm a part of Chiefs Kingdom. I was rooting so hard for them. I hate to say. Yeah, no. I mean, I think we are a part of Chiefs Kingdom at this point. At least for uh, yesterday afternoon, you and I were. Yeah. No, it was a uh, it was outstanding, outstanding game. Now. Um, what I what we saw was two stout defenses early, really good, and then what we saw was two offenses that eventually started to wear both defensives down, and it just became a who made the mistakes and who capitalized on them. Chiefs capitalized on the Forty ers mistake. Forty ers did not capitalize in the way they should have. Yeah, on the Chiefs' mistakes, and that ended up being the difference in the game. Yeah, they kept you know you can't keep Patrick Mahomes in the hunt. No. I mean the 49ers should have led that game by a lot more than they did at halftime and they should have led, you know, they should have scored more in the second half. They got two possessions in Chiefs territory to start the third quarter, did nothing with either of those and that left the door open for Patrick Mahomes and he walked right through and he is he's already cemented it. I I don't know that he has to win another thing, Tony to cement himself as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. The problem is I think he is going to win a whole bunch more things. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. That's bad news for the rest of the league when he walks up on the podium and he says, we're not done yet. I was hoping he might say, well, we're good now. <laughs> but, yeah, no, and it, it, they, were in, they were indeed intent on getting that message out. It wasn't just him. Um, I agree. I, I think really in the, you know, in the amount of time that he played, he's in a uh, really a lane by himself. He's not in there with anybody else, right? I mean, he's got three championships, three Super Bowl MVPs. He's got what? Is it one uh regular two regular season MVPs? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't there isn't anybody in the that span of time that he's been in the league that has that kind of uh accolades. No. He's uh he's uh he's amazing and uh you know, despite the best efforts of the 49ers, they just could not defeat Patrick Mahomes. I there's been a lot of criticism of the 49ers taking the ball first in overtime. To me, that's just people having to have some sort of criticism. I I agreed with what the 49ers did. You get yeah. the ball first, 
if you can score your touchdown, you put the pressure on the Chiefs to have to go. I know the Chiefs get four downs coming back the other way, and that is an advantage. But if the game had been tied at the end of the first two possessions, guess what? Then the 49ers would have had the ball first in sudden death, and that's almost certain victory. Yeah. So I think the 49ers played it right. The one thing that they probably didn't play right, Kyle Shanahan said we talked about it, our analytics people, they didn't talk about it with their players because the players after the game said they didn't know the rules yeah. <laughs> of overtime at all. And that kind of makes the 49ers look a little wanting. But uh, it was a great football game. It's come to my attention that a, a tweet was circulated last night that uh, supposedly was sent out by me. And it said, <laughs> it said something to the effect of, uh, I feel for my friend, my guy, Matt Scraby, and something to the effect of, he's got nothing to be ashamed of. The 49ers played great. and But I never sent that. I think somebody broke into my account and sent that tweet. No, there was a blushy face emoji. So it was definitely you. You know it was for me. <laughs> yeah, that's your giveaway. Yeah. Well, although he did learn a new emoji the last week. Emoji? The fire symbol yeah, was, he was sending around. He was so. he was using that quite a bit last yeah. week. You should have used like a random emoji, and I would have never known, Chris. I would have loved to have uh, just, uh, you know, pounded on top of you today. But, I mean, it's really difficult to do. I thought the 49ers played a pretty good game. I know that you're anguishing over a lot of things from a – punt that bounced off a guy's foot oh. to, you know. At first luck. I was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, wait, he had no choice yeah, but to he try had to pick to. it up. He was trying to save everybody. Yes, right. right. Yeah. Uh, he, that guy uh, Ray, was a Ray Ray McLeod. He is the, the happiest third. guy on earth that they have replay to show the 100%. ball hitting the foot. Because <laughs> at the beginning, he looked like the dumbest guy on earth for going after that ball. I just knew by the way he was signaling everybody get away that the way he reacted, that he clearly saw that ball hit his teammate, and we just didn't see it. And then when right. the replay came, as you said, I'm sure he was probably the happiest person in the building because he didn't look like he didn't know what he was doing. I'll tell you what what really started the the losing for them. It was when Drake Greenlaw, I can't even speak right now, Drake Greenlaw going on the field, jogging on the field, tears his Achilles, and you see Fred Warner put his hands on his head like, what in the world is happening? I saw, it, 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 it's it's funny, maybe the first possession of the game, our first Kansas City possession. 49ers get a stop. And I think at some point, Greenlaw makes the tackle and, like, gets up and he, like, just crushes the ground. Yeah. Like, in excitement. Yeah. And that's all I can think of when they flip to him getting ready to run out onto the field. Almost with the same type of, of vigor as he was going out there. And you can see immediately, as soon as it happened, even before he reacted, you just knew that there was nothing good that was going to come from that. He was, I, they, they, I, that actually made me sad for me too. a shorter, a, a little bit of time as, you know, you kind of figure. I'm happy we didn't have to see it live. Like, that came, like, later, right? They showed that after, they a showed commercial, that after the commercial, commercial break. break. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it was, it, was, it was really sad to see him because, you know, of course— his adrenaline is flowing. He's like, I'm, I'm good, and then realize Couldn't you could, walk. you could see it come over his body when he realized tore his Achilles. That he wasn't. I mean, he's like play. out for like almost a year, yeah. right? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. You're not going to come back from that anytime soon. I know. That's the, that's the that's other worst part, part is when you have an injury like that in the playoffs or the Super Bowl because then your whole not next year a, is messed not up. Not even on a play, though. Like, yeah. He didn't even get a chance to, like, he I'm got sure. one or one or two possessions in, and then that happens. I'm sure that he would feel much better if it was something I, that I was, happened during the game. I was sick of, for him yeah. on that one. Man. The other thing that doomed them was the kicker missing an extra point. I did. He got nervous, I swear, because that kick was, like, it really was bad. It was low. <laughs> it was really bad. I don't think it mattered. I think it mattered. I know it did because the game went into overtime, so everyone's going to say the missed extra point made a big deal. I don't think that would have led them to the win. I would. It, it changes the strategy of the That's game. Right. But I don't think it mattered what the strategy yeah, was. I think Mahomes home, would have overcome it. <laughs> oh, can we stop? We, I mean, I hate we to, to say it. No, we that. can't stop, Scraby. No. We can't stop. The guy is unbelievable. And this isn't a knock on your team. I mean, he did it to Baltimore. He did it to Buffalo. He did it to Miami. Way. I just don't like He's his dominance. He's done it dominance. to everybody. He, but you've got, <laughs> you have to accept it. It's, I'm not going to un- accept I, it. It's I, unfortunate I, for I you for right you, now. Scrape. But to me, had the 49ers taken a 17-13 lead in the fourth quarter and he made that extra point, which he should have, I gotta, I gotta Mahomes say. just would have gone down and scored a touchdown. But I, he didn't need a touchdown. I mean, this guy's... I, I, I've I've given up. I mean, I'm a Miami fan. I don't think I'm going to see the Super Bowl ever. I am, as long as this guy's playing. I am really happy that I got to grow up in a in an age of of Michael Jordan, right? And I bring him up to say it taught me how to appreciate like greatness. It, it you know, even though I was hating on Michael Jordan during that time frame, it taught me as I got older. It's taught me how to appreciate greatness. But then when Tom Brady came around, as much as I couldn't stand the Patriots, I had to respect his greatness, right? And it's, you know, it's going to be the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's, he is proven in a very short period of time that he is that he is now into that that category, Chris, that you, that you were talking about. You just don't want him to have the ball at the end of the game. Yeah, you don't want him to have the ball last. Yeah, maybe if that's does, the it's... one thing the 49ers should have thought out and and, and given him the ball first. But I, I just don't know if it would have mattered. I, I think the 49ers did it right. I mean, they can second guess Shanahan all they want. The one thing I would guess second guess Shanahan on was the strategy at the end of the first half. Uh, the Chiefs had the ball; they were going down for a field goal. Shanahan did not use a timeout, and the Chiefs kicked the field goal with about 20 seconds to go in the first half. Shanahan uses a timeout. To me, the 49ers get the ball back with about a minute, minute 10. They could go down and kick a field goal themselves before halftime. And I just think, you know, would it have mattered? Probably not. Patrick Mahomes just would have scored more points in the second half. But I don't think you can pass up an opportunity to score. And I, think, and I was surprised by that one. I think they went run, pass, right? Second, third down, I think they – I believe those two plays went. And I think – the reason why they didn't is for the same reason why the Chiefs ran that ball on the second down. is because they didn't want to leave too much time no. on the clock for the 49ers. Now, if he calls a timeout early, then that probably changes the Chiefs' strategy. Clock has stopped. We can now throw the ball and push the, push the ball down or try to get, get yeah, into the end zone. Maybe try to get a touchdown. I, I'm sure Shanahan was thinking that way, but... I, I don't know. You want to beat these guys, you gotta you gotta take every opportunity. That was the only criticism I really truly had of either coach uh, and either side. There was no referee miscalls. 
To me, there was no strategy missed calls. So even people are trying to make a big deal out of this whole overtime thing. Oh, man. He's, Kyle Shanahan's being crushed. And they're also saying he's one of the biggest choke artists in oh, yeah. coaching history. Well, you know what? You, the people that are saying that Shanahan's one of the biggest choke artists in history, and they're referring to the fact he's, he's had a 10-point lead in two Super Bowls. He had a 10-point lead in a championship game. He also had a 28-3 to lead as an offensive coordinator. And he's lost all those games. But all of those people that are pointing to Kyle Shanahan as a choke artist are forgetting conveniently that Andy Reid, when he was with the Eagles, That's lost three right. consecutive NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. So, you know, it's you're you're never the man until, until you're, you're the, the man. man. Yep. And Andy Reid was going to be go down in history as the coach who could not win the big game. They said the same thing about John Madden when he and the Raiders lost about eight AFC Championship games. You're not the man till you're the man, and Shanahan's not the man yet. But that's what I would say yet because I still think he's going to be bouncing back. He's still got a pretty good squad. Most of their just team up is against returning it right now year. with with this Mahomes guy. I mean, Mahomes is making <laughs> this everybody Mahomes guy. I mean, you know the way that the way that Jordan did it for Phil Jackson, the way that. Uh, you know, Brady did it for Belichick, the way Tiger Woods did it for Tiger Woods. <laughs> right. I mean, there's just certain guys that are just a cut above everyone else. And I, I honestly truly believe this kid is one of them. Yeah. So that's uh it's it, it was quite the treat watching both of those teams. There it was clear that those were the two best teams in football banging heads at last night. And it just it it just one team had to win, and as you said, it doesn't mean the 49ers didn't play well. Uh, this was just two good teams in a, in a maybe a generational quarterback. That Duel? Gets, yeah, uh, I know. Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes are going to be playing for Super Bowls for the rest of eternity. I'd say so. quarterbacks. I said quarterback. Yeah, duel. No, quarterback no, no, duel. No. I, thought you, <laughs> I thought you were talking about Mahomes' running ability. No, oh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. That, I'm no. talking about Brock Purdy getting back to that game. I... You don't would know. really like to talk to Roger Goodell about what him and Taylor Swift were talking about before the game because that's when I knew the 49ers were going to lose. When Taylor Swift and Roger Goodell are sharing See, this is what happened, Chris. They, they, on the field together. They resort to conspiracy theories now for Are you really going to go there and, and, for and, the reason and make, his team you're lost? You're going to make yourself look bad you were by take, going there. You were taking this loss like a regular adult there for a sec. Now we are venturing... Into the twilight zone. I am not mad at Patrick Mahomes. I am not mad at the Chiefs. Yeah, but you want to talk to Roger. Yes, I do. About what he was talking to Taylor Swift about. Because I I wasn't even mad at the Taylor Swift coverage last night. Because at one point I was like, I think they've only showed her one time. (laughs) And then the more drunk she and Blake Lively got, the more camera angles came towards them. So I was fine with all of that. It's just I, I, I can't stand Patrick Mahomes' greatness. I can't stand it, just because he's great. So. Spoken like a true hater. Good for you, Scrape. Well, at least you're honest. Like, it's spoken like a 1990s New York Knicks fan or 1990s Indiana Pacers fan. <laughs> or Lakers fan. Or Portland, Phoenix, Utah. You know, all of those great teams and great players. Seattle. Who got buried by Michael Jordan in yeah. the end. Eric, Eric said on the chat, the YouTube chat, you can watch this on YouTube right now. Just search 97.3 The Fan. He said, it was the practice field during the week. I knew it. There was. The uh, soft, the very cushiony grass. We all know that the NFL wanted the Chiefs to win this game. They gave them the amenities of the Raiders <laughs> uh, practice facility. They also gave them 
Uh, I don't even know. I'm just trying grasping to make... Grasping at straws exactly, is what you're doing. Exactly. You're grasping well, at straws here. here. Here's another thing. Christian McCaffrey fumble, doesn't fumble. They might score a touchdown there and to open the game. They were driving down the field, ready to score the first points of the game. Yes, but understand this, that when you're playing Mahomes... You almost have to play a perfect game to win. Exactly. You do. And you the do. 49ers played well. They, they did not play, play a perfect nope. game. Nope. And also, asking a team to play perfect is is a pretty tall task. That's why this guy's so good. You can't mess up. You have to score every time you have the chance. And every time they make a mistake, Mahomes throws that pick in his own territory. You have to take advantage. You've got to take advantage. You got to make your extra point. You got to make off the fifty-yard field goals. You can't have a punt bounce off your foot. And when you got third down, down on the ten-yard line in overtime, you got to convert. Yeah, Adam you can't on the chat, kick the field goal. That's that's what it takes to beat Patrick Mahomes. 49ers didn't do those things. It wasn't, uh, this is not our Adam, this is another Adam, but saying, did you guys hear about the 49ers having the whole fire alarm thing go off really oh, early yes, in the morning? Yes, they so, were very upset another about one of those, that. Yeah. Another one of those, huh? Hang with them. Yeah, Here's you people, your check, please Taylor leave Swift. Alone. Thank you. Yeah, people, stop giving Scraby more Don't excuses. give him more like, fuel. Just give me more. Fire here. Give please me more. Don't. All right. All right. The uh, <laughs> NFL season <laughs> is <laughs> over. Scraby, to much to Scraby's uh, distress, the 49ers have lost another Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes. We will talk more about it with Marcus McNeil. He will join the program in this 2 o'clock hour. We'll get some of his thoughts on Super Bowl 58, which really was super. Uh, compared to a lot of Super Bowls, this is going to go down as one of the great memored, uh, remembered games of all time. We have some other things in the world of sports this weekend, including our guy, Charlie Hoffman, yeah. going into a playoff in the Waste Management Open, Charlie told us on this show about a month ago that he was just crazy enough to believe that he could actually beat these kids and win he did. a golf tournament. And he damn near nearly did it yesterday. We're going to have him on the show today in the 3 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. The Aztecs came up short Friday night in Nevada. We'll talk about that as well as we get underway. Grolling towards 6 o'clock. Gwen and Chris. Chris, Tony, Scraby, the whole gang's here on San Diego's number one sports talk station, 97.3 The Fan. 2.24 on the clock. Spring training is underway. And for the latest Padres news, try listening to chapters from the show. Each day, each topic we cover is broken out so that you can find what matters to you most. To get started, download the Odyssey app. Back by popular demand. Jerickson, Jerickson profile. Signs a one-year, $1 million deal with a $1.5 million incentive based on um, plate appearances. So... Um, million bucks. That's yeah. like a. That's like almost getting a guy for free. In Isn't this that day what Nelson age. Cruz got paid last year? Something around those lines. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a pretty significant pay cut. I think it was five mil for Jerickson last year. It's one this season, and uh, this was a, a move that at least the Padre fans were certainly uh, clamoring for. They yes. they wanted to see Jerickson back, and for good reason. I mean, last two times Jerickson has been in the the Padre uniform. Uh, the short stint last year, the Padres played their best baseball. Yeah, and the year before, the Padres on a team that really, if you could argue, he was a very important piece, especially that second half of the season when he became the leadoff hitter. Um, 
is back. You know, that team got to an NLCS. So there's a lot of good feels around Jerickson Profar, not only what he does on the field, but what he brings in the locker room. Yep. And you can tell what kind of guy he is just by uh, walking by him and saying hello. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. that, that, that nice of a guy. He's got a great attitude. He's upbeat all the time. Now all we have to do, Tony, is find uh, another outfielder, a first baseman, a DH, and two starting pitchers, all of whom be willing to come in for about the same price tag that are as good as Jerks and Profar. I mean, base- that was a, I mean, that's a great signing right there for a million bucks. Yeah, no, you definitely uh, didn't have to spend a lot. And, uh, I mean, I think the focus will now probably shift to outfield DH slash first base because, you know, based on what Kevin Acey uh, wrote a few days ago, they very well may be content with the guys they have. And so that's in terms of, pit- in terms in terms of, of starting pitching, right? That's Joe Musgrove. That's you Darvish. That's Michael King. And that's then uh, it seems like there's, there's two groups here, right? You have uh Brito and you have Vasquez kind of as, as Kevin Acey put it lightly penciled in. And then you have the, the next group of guys, um, and those are guys that we saw a little bit last year in um, Waldron, right? Uh, Avila. Pedro right? Avila. Pedro, Pedro Avila. The knuckleballer. Wal- uh, is it Waldron? Wal- the, I said Waldron's a knuckleballer. knuckleballer guy, yeah. Um, we also saw Jay the, Groom Jay, in spring training. Lefty, yeah, Jay Groom. He pitched well, and we had him on the show uh, right at the end of spring training. He pitched very well and during the, spring and training. Then we never we never got to see him again. He struggled during the regular season. Well, and so that's probably why we didn't hear. Now, there are still the couple of names out there, Michael Lorenzen um, and, and Noah Syndergaard, who the Padres have reportedly been in contact with. So and they might are, be closer to the million-dollar range. Those are probably in that range that Chris is speaking of. But I think that's probably why the focus will, will start to probably shift to those other spots, because yeah. they they it, you know listening to reading AC's article and what Mike Shield had to say, they want to see these guys compete and and somebody in his words is going to have to step up. You don't have to sign anybody for your starting rotation unless you realize that you have to sign somebody for your starting rotation. That's I right. mean, it's possible that the guys they have right now can get the job done, and I would imagine there'll still be some arms waiting to be signed if need be. Um, Look, they probably only have, according to what I read, they've got about $20 million left before they get over the luxury tax. And to me, that's where you got to draw the line if you're the Padres. And you and if you're the fan base that wants to see them go you know, all in, understand that they've got to get their house back in order in terms of the luxury tax. They just do. The Dodgers did it last year. If the Dodgers have to do it, so do the Padres. And... You know, they're way over the luxury tax the last couple of years. So maybe they have another $20 million if that, you know, otherwise they're going to go over that luxury tax. So there's only going to be certain people that are available yeah. at this point. And, you know, I mean, I think they found one of them by getting Profar. So hopefully they can get some more. Yeah, it's uh, pitchers and catchers are already in the full swing of things in terms of getting themselves ready. Uh, Sammy Levitt is is down there. We're going to eventually hear from him at some point. Scraby, haven't heard a lot from you, man, today. I know it's a rough day, but um, it's okay. It's okay. Are you sure? Because you know, yeah. usually you would have you know more than your fair share by this time. Well, first, the cameras decided today was another day is going to kill me, 
And then I, I saw the interception after halftime on the TV. We're rewatching. Yeah, he, he's for still some punishing reason. himself right now. We're watching. The it just Super hits Bowl a game. lot different knowing what happens at the end. Would you like to turn the sound up so you can relive it in all its glory? No, but here's one thing about Tony. Why Romo are you watching it again? <laughs> it's just on TV, and I haven't changed it. Change the channel, my uh, friend. Here's one thing: Did Tony Romo sound act like a guy who's not going to be with Jim Nance next season? He kind of like felt reflective. I know people are hammering. Uh, I don't think. I, he did a bad job. I, I thought people. Well, I shouldn't say people. I read an article in which uh, I think it was in the Athletic, where uh, they were saying how he basically stepped all on Jim uh, Lance the very last call of the game because oh he was trying to explain the rules as the play was happening. Now I didn't. I don't remember hearing that. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, that was a, a criticism. I was too busy trying to explain to my mother-in-law that she just won the pool. <laughs> she had five and two, and there was a big argument afterward. Now the we looked it up on her on the grid, and we had a different grid than the one we played with here at work. And she was up for like five hundred bucks, I think. And I told her on the drive, I said, if the Chiefs score a touchdown, you're going to win the pool because it's going to be five and two. So they scored the touchdown. I told her you won. She was very excited. And then she checked in with the people who did her pool, and they said, well, we have to confirm that you won. And I said, confirm what? The score is 25 to 22. What right. confirming is there? Apparently, a lot of people had trouble with their with their square pools because if you put that you're going to give a certain amount of money for the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter – a lot of people who had nine and nine oh, yeah, yeah, thought yeah. they won at the end of the fourth quarter because the score was nineteen to nineteen. Ah, and you had you needed to be in a pool where somebody made that that note where if the game is tied, we will take the final overtime score, not the score at the end of the fourth quarter, because there was actually five winning totals. Anyway, they finally ruled that she was the winner. So. I'm glad she won. That's how those pools work. But a lot of people at 9-9 nine and nine thought they should have been paid off as well at the end of the fourth quarter. I don't that know if that is, happened in your office pool out there, but it happened a, in quite a few that I know about. That is a big, greasy hang with them right there. That is, yeah. Man, $500? She got $500. Ooh. She was very excited. That somebody, is a lot. Somebody was salty that 9-9. Nine, nine, uh. Yeah, the 9-9 nine, nine <laughs> person's ticked off today. They didn't get it. I know. Hang with them. All right, uh, let's get to break. Marcus McNeil, Scraby wants to relive it. We'll do just that on the other side. I don't know that I want Marcus to, but Marcus McNeil. has been on after every week this season. Yeah, and so you're going to have to hear it one more again. We're going to Chris on the way. All right, welcome back to the program. 2.38 is the time. Marcus McNeil joins us shortly to talk about Super Bowl 58. One of the things that I think will be remembered about Super Bowl 58 is the fact that nobody seemed to know the rules in overtime. Did everybody understand that if the Chiefs would not have scored with three seconds left in the overtime period, the winning touchdown, that the game would have carried over into a second overtime? The Chiefs were to get a full possession regardless of how it worked. Now, Scrape, you said your mom was watching with you and it was like, time's running out. Yeah. And you were like, Mom, the, the clock doesn't matter. A lot of people say, well, what they even have the clock there for? I think just to keep track of how long the game was, honestly, at that point. Maybe. 
Because he, uh, yeah, because the guy, there really was no reason to have a clock in overtime. You could have just kept playing and playing. But Bill Vinovich said when they started it, new game, and I was like, "Huh? We're we're starting over? What what's going on?" But he kind of meant it because you, it's basically zero zero. Yep, everybody gets a possession. After that, sudden death. But I don't know that everybody watching the Super Bowl honestly knew that the Chiefs, like, if they didn't score a touchdown on that pass to McCole Hardman. There was only three seconds left in the first overtime. Yeah. I think a lot of people think they would have had to kick a field goal there to tie it back up before the end of overtime. That's not the case. It was first down. They would have carried the the game into a second overtime period. They would have moved down to the other end of the field, and the Chiefs would have continued second and goal. I, I, so, um, but I don't think everybody knew that. I can't say that I actually knew that going into overtime. I saw it on social media when, I, yeah. when it was as it was going along. I was like, "Oh, these are important new rules that no one knows about." Yeah. Well, I mean, this had never happened before in the NFL. This is the first time these new postseason overtime rules yeah, have they, been used. There've been twenty-eight games played since they put the new rule in that both teams get a full possession regardless of what happens on the very first possession. And that, that was all put in after Mahomes beat Buffalo okay, a couple of years ago with a touchdown. That's what I thought. And Josh Allen and never got out on the field. it just now came to fruition. Just with now came to fruition for the first time. And so everybody like forgot about it, right. really. Yeah. yeah, they did. And the 49er players, I mean, they're taking a little heat today because guys like defensive lineman Eric Armstead said, I didn't even really know what was going on in terms of the overtime rules. Had no idea. Uh Jursic, uh, Jursic said, you know what? I didn't even realize the playoff rules were different in you overtime. Juszczyk? Juszczyk, thank you. Jursic? Yeah, well, it looks like Jursic. <laughs> I assume you just want the ball to score a touchdown and win. I guess that's not the case. I didn't really know the strategy there. We hadn't talked about it. But Kyle Shanahan did say after the game that he and his analytics people went over the whole scenario in case it happened, and they decided to take the ball first. So... That if the game remained tied after each team had a possession, which it almost did, then the it would have gone to sudden that, death, and the 49ers would have had the ball first. And I think that was correct thinking. It, it's it's a great example. That's a it's great proof of the fact that a really good coach just gets his players to buy in and do what they're asked to do. The fact that they didn't know the rules really is irrelevant. They play, They didn't play like they didn't know the rules. Yeah. They just did what they were asked to do. And, unfortunately, the guy they were asked to do it against was They Patrick couldn't Mahomes. stop him. <laughs> they couldn't stop him. Even McCole Hardman, who scored the winning touchdown, said afterwards he didn't know right away he'd scored the winning touchdown. No, he didn't. He, he did. wasn't sure. That's pretty crazy for a Super Bowl in a game that is – the that national yeah. thing, the ball, everything at stake, and the the actual people playing in the game didn't understand the rules. I just don't like it that McCole Hardman, of all people, was the one to catch. Why the does it bother? Wait a minute, that because McCole, what did he do? that's the only thing you don't like. Because the random player that scores the winning touchdown, who wasn't even on the team to start the year, I don't know that he's annoying. random. And also, it's it, it, he's just, been a part just, of all of their championships. The Chiefs so I don't have know been that he's so mediocre this year, and it just bothers me. You shouldn't even say stuff like that because it's, Chiefs have been so. As mediocre, mediocre as they were when they played the 49ers. Oh, okay, I'll say the Chiefs have been mediocre during the regular season. There you go. That's fine. 
Not, who's, not mediocre uh, enough. Who's uh, who's the guy who scored a touchdown and threw a touchdown for the 49ers? Is Jawan he a, Jennings. Yeah, he's a big part of that squad. Everybody <laughs> had them. Everybody <laughs> had him Jawan on their Jennings fantasy is. team. Good point, Chris. Oh, my goodness. Who you had him on their out. fantasy team this you year? Anybody out Jawan there? Jennings. Anybody have him on we your fantasy squad? We need to go squad? to the interview. We need to go to the interview. <laughs> Please. Marcus McNeil will square all this away. Our post-Super Bowl visit with the big fella. Super Bowl 58 is indeed in the books, and uh, we are uh, always excited to be joined by our guy, Marcus McNeil, to uh, help us break down some of his thoughts on uh, yesterday's Chiefs victory over the 49ers. And Marcus, uh, I think anybody who picked the Chiefs picked them because they thought Patrick Mahomes would make the difference, and by golly, he did. So I don't know what else we can say that we haven't already said about this guy, but... uh, I mean, to me, the 49ers gave him just enough of an opening, and he walked through that door. Oh, man. It's the old Tom Brady rule. You don't want him to end up with the ball last. And they they let him get the ball last, and Kermit the Frog came through. Like, he's just, <laughs> he, he's just amazing. I know we talked a little bit about him and when would they start comparing him to Tom Brady last week. But – I, I, I beg to differ that Patrick Mahomes might be in his own lane. You know, uh, with him winning three championships at the age of 28, I, I'm pretty. I, I go back and check the stats, but I'm pretty sure he's in that club by itself. Yeah, he is. It's, I think Brady had two. He had no Super Bowl MVPs at this point, or regular season MVPs. So he is certainly right now in in a lane of his own, but. You know, aside from Patrick Mahomes, which is always, which can always be a takeaway when you end up watching a game he's in. What was the biggest takeaway from this game between the two, from your standpoint? Uh, just that wrinkle that the Chiefs always seem to have that they don't let anybody see until it's time. And uh, I knew it was going to be something. And of course, I hate to be the dead horse with Patrick Mahomes, but. Just seeing them use him as the first option on the run, yeah. I don't think I've seen them do that since he tore up his kneecap a few years ago. Marcus, uh, did the 49ers play a great game in your estimation and just suffer a bitter loss? Or are there things that the 49ers are going to be kicking themselves for throughout this offseason? Yeah, I don't think they should kick themselves too much. I mean, losing Greenlaw to an Achilles injury, like just running on the field. I mean, you you just can't plan for that. You know, nobody saw it coming, uh, totally unexpected. And he's such a big part of that defense. And and, and I think when he got out of the game, we kind of saw Kelsey start to take advantage of, of the new guy who came in. I mean, after watching this game, right, Brock Purdy, I thought played – pretty good he didn't play you know extraordinary but he was good you look at Christian McCaffrey it seems like they seemingly went away from him a little bit more in the second half what could you what could they have done different what could the 49ers have done differently um if they if that get to give themselves a better chance to win this game that's tough Tony to be honest like they were right there I mean they they had everything that they wanted right there. You know, they they had the lead right there at the end. You know, they played them tough. They they were kind of keeping Kelsey in some sort of a box. 
nothing big was happening. The game was close. I just really think that them giving the ball back to Mahomes with so much time was the only thing that like caused them to to come away with that L yesterday. I think if they have the ball last, I think that the tie might have been flipped. But I mean, they they had a great game plan. Yeah, they came out, they played well, they they mixed everybody in. Depot, uh, you know. Like you say, maybe McCaffrey a little bit more in the second half, but uh, he's such a dynamic player. I want to see him touch the ball as much as possible. Yeah. When you're in that Chiefs huddle, uh, Marcus, I mean, try to take us in there. I mean, their first seven possessions of the game, they got exactly one field goal, and they were going three and out. I mean, almost every possession, maybe getting one first down here and then punting. And all of a sudden, they score five of their last six possessions. How does a team stay confident when things are going so poorly as they were for the Chiefs yesterday? Uh, I mean, one, you being there before is going to leave you with a little bit of confidence. You know, uh, two, I think that you always have second half adjustments when you're going into a game. You know, you're going to start off this way and then we're going to switch it up so that we keep the defense off of balance uh, in the second half. And I think that they knew that they were going to have a different game plan going into the second half. Uh, I think we saw a little bit of that when, you know, Andy Reid uh, got got bumped by Travis Kelsey uh, in the middle of the game where he was like, hey, keep me in the game. But I, I really feel like Andy didn't have him in the game because everybody's planning for Kelsey. Everybody knows you're coming. So let's just keep on throwing wrinkles at him until we really need you. Talk about those emotions. Marcus McNeil joins us here as he does, as he has every week since we've been in NFL season. Talk to us a little bit about the emotions. One, being that particular play you're talking about, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, it, it it was a bigger deal outside of the field than it, was, than it seemed to be on the field. And then the emotion on the other side, which played a much bigger part for the, for the 49ers, uh, with their middle linebacker who was amped up from the very beginning of the game, ends up tearing as he's going out to, to run out in the field. It was really a sad moment to see, but just talk about having to control that type of emotion because they both seem to play a part in, in both incidents. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just an up-and-down roller coaster. You, uh, the emotions with Kelsey – I mean, he's so competitive. I, I saw a lot of people saying that, well, if this happens to somebody else, then, you know, they're in trouble, you know. But I think that with Andy Reid and, and, and the whole crew, not just Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, but their team in general, I think that they're so competitive and, and they've been together so long. And sometimes you're going to have those little spouts where, you know, you, you just feel like the, the top spot to come off because you're so emotional or, or riled up about the game. And then, uh, so so on that side, I expected to see that. It's like two brothers fighting or, or, or you know, a, a son being upset with his father or something because yeah. he's not in the game right now. But, uh, but on the other hand, with Greenlaw, I think that kind of like uh, it was a little bit deflating, you yeah. know, uh, I, I think that whenever you lose such a key part of your defense that you're scrambling trying to figure out how we're going to fill this void with him gone, but you're playing in the Super Bowl, so you don't really have that much time to, to really figure out what's going to work. But So so I think that was probably the, the biggest caveat to the game where the 49ers seemed like, you know, they lost the edge on the defense. 
Marcus, every team's going to go to training camp uh, in July. And I don't know if in the back of their head, but maybe in the front of their head, no matter what they do, no matter who they acquire this offseason, no matter what trades they make, free agents, drafts, they're still going to have to eventually find a way to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs if they want to win the Super Bowl. How is somebody going to do this? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I would like to have the formula to that, but if I did, I'd probably be a head coach somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, I mean, all you can do is, is, is just come out and play your game, you know, uh, not try to overcompensate for anything that the Chiefs have. Uh, we've seen teams beat them. Uh, if you go back to the Baltimore and the AFC Championship game, I would like to say that Baltimore really beat them that game and, mm. and really blew it their sales, you know, uh, with, with some penalties and tough calls down there. But at the end of the day, you just have to find out what makes your team go and what makes your team different and then try and capitalize on that. But if you go into it thinking about the Chiefs all, all season, that's just a nightmare waiting to happen. You know, one of the things Patrick Mahomes said at the end of the game, Marcus, was – you know, it, it, the Chiefs should never be underdogs. Yet, already, as you look ahead to the 2024-25 NFL season, um, they go in right now as as basically underdogs. They are not favored to win the Super Bowl next year. The 49ers are at this point. This is something you, you would think could be used as motivation, huh? I mean... One thing I said they didn't want to do was put KC as the underdog. You know, I felt like that gives them the advantage every year when when you come in and have them labeled as the underdog just because they believe in themselves. They they have that much confidence in their team, so they're never really the underdog. So for you to label them that, it's like giving them bulletin board material uh, for free. So I – I think the best thing that you can do is, like, go at them humbly, maybe trick them to feel like, you know, they are better than us and we don't have a chance besides just thinking that you're going to come in there and uh, and, and, and play the favorite and think that you're going to get a, a bad game out of them. I, I think it, it, it all has to revolve around whatever team you're on and who your best players are and figuring out how to get the best out of them. Because on paper, the 49ers, I went down the list, they look like a better team. They had more talent on their team than KC. But when you got a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and you got a tight end like Kelsey and Andy Reid calling plays or, or running the ship, it's just going to be tough to beat that duo. They have a nice thing going on right now, nice little dynasty going. So uh, as long as they can keep that team together, I think they're going to be one of the top teams for for a while to come. Yeah, that was bad news for everybody at the end of that game last night when Patrick Mahomes jumped up on the podium and said, uh, we're not done. Yeah. Like, I think every other team in the NFL would have hoped he said, yeah, we're done, we're good. No. no. But they're not. They, they made it a point. To they say made they it a done. point to say they're just getting started, perhaps. Uh, Marcus, uh, you're done for the season, and uh, you were brilliant. We really appreciate you having uh, coming on with us weekly, talking NFL. I know the fans, uh, the listeners enjoyed listening to you, and uh, we enjoyed talking with you. I hope we do it again. But uh, enjoy the off season, my friend, and uh, we'll catch up to you down the road. Thanks so much for everything, Marcus. Hey, definitely, man. Appreciate you guys for having me. I, hopefully, I'll see you at a couple of Padre games this year. I have a feeling you will. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. We appreciate your time, man. All right, man. Y'all have a good one.
Marcus McNeil doing great things and uh, being a regular guest on the program. We really enjoyed hearing from him all season long. Hope you did as well. Super Bowl 58 is in the books. And the, uh, the dark jerseys won again. Well, not again, but only when the Chiefs play the 49ers, apparently. Otherwise, Thanks, the white, you're welcome. <laughs> Otherwise, the white jerseys have won most of the recent Super Bowl, 16 of the last 20. So you say, we don't care about white unis. We're I think wearing our red. I think yeah. what you could say is whichever team has Patrick Mahomes on it is going to win. Fair enough. It's looking that way. It's looking that way for maybe quite some time. We got a daily gambit.